you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. Be your man, MG Mark Scran, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano, and our man, Graham Farfield. All right, let's just get this out of the way. The Patriots won the Super Bowl. All right, we're done. Is <laughs> that enough? Sorry, America. Is that enough? That's- um, Yeah. <laughs> I, Dude, I mean, you can't. Look, props to them. I they mean, came out with a great six, game. Six out of nine. Brady continues to be the GOAT. Can't beat Belichick. I mean, you got to give props. But I will say this. I watched the game with a friend of mine who's a Patriots fan. And I said, you know what? When Belichick is gone and Brady is gone and the Patriots suck for 20 years, I don't want to hear a peep out of you. Oh, no, Not no, a peep. No one will want to hear from them yeah. at all. Well, because uh, th- this is unprecedented success, like regardless of the sport. Like you're, t- you're going back to like the Yankees in the 19, you know, 20s when Babe Ruth and Luke Gehrig were – I mean – it's ridiculous. Right. It, it is unreal. Props to the Patriots. Um, you know, unless you're a fan of defense, the game wasn't all that. The ratings were down. And I think <laughs> part of that was because the game was uh, uh, a, a little less than stellar. Most people, if you ask them, probably would have preferred to see a, a Chiefs-Rams rematch. Just but, points. But it is what it is. I mean, it, it is, is it? And what I don't get, and we'll probably talk about what the heck? What happened to Todd Gurley? We will get there. Yeah, we will certainly. I, you know, I I was texting with friends of mine during the game. I'm like, he he said he's healthy. Yeah, we're not giving will. him the football. I don't. I, I just don't. I don't get it. Okay, that w- that will be a big part of of what we talk about today. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I don't know. The game was okay. The commercials weren't great. The best commercial was the NFL. The commercial. whole game to me was just kind of like it was just kind of one. It was just it kind of happened. It was just there. Right. You know, the game was there. The halftime show was there. The commercials. Were there. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it just. It was like one of those perfect. If you had like a good setup, like we had some friends over and some good food. Mm-hmm. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. It was nice if you had a good company. But yeah, right. the game was. 
Yeah, I mean, I was I was with Ooh. a couple of friends, and it sort of at times kind of became background noise as we were just kind of yeah, talking about here. stuff. Yeah. So right. yeah, we got. Uh, I, I think the most excited I got was when uh, the uh, Avengers trailer. That was early. Came out. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty right. early. Exactly. <laughs> that was pretty exactly. early. Exactly. Yep. So, oh man. Oh. Uh, behind the glass, as always, our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy, Esquire. Back. We missed you, Murph, last week. Not the, not the kid was bad, but we missed you. I, I, I missed you guys too. Yeah, busy, busy week here. Obviously, you guys know Super Bowl going on at the NFL, but man, oh man, like what a just awful Sunday that was. And, and as much as I hate the Patriots, am I crazy to think this was their most impressive Super Bowl? Besides the fact they won by 10 points and the way they did it, but like during the season, you could make an argument that there's probably seven, eight teams, maybe better than them at some point. If you play in a neutral field that you could pick against them, I don't think you could ever really say that. I mean, it's 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 pretty incredible. I think because... I mean, I guess if you... I guess there's a way to look at it say it's their most impressive. I think it may be the most impressive coaching job Bill Belichick sure, has done sure. yeah. uh, in terms of what he did with the two, the two offenses he faced in the AFC Championship game and then in the Super Bowl. And to, you know, what? They held the, the Chiefs to, what, three points, I think, in the first half. Right. And then they held the Rams to three points for an entire game. Uh, that that's pretty amazing when when you know the, the league has been trending so offensive this was the most you know offensive heavy season maybe in NFL history and it ends with the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time so. yeah and even with the fantasy spin I mean during the whole season Gronk was really nowhere to be found like they used James White for a huge chunk then it's like okay well now it's Tony Michelle so that's confusing like they didn't even have any like fantasy studs like it was just a, <laughs> right. it was like just a what a weird season for the Patriots they had and then somehow they do it they you had, know what's I'm sorry go ahead go around. no they had three different identities this whole right. year they right. had Edelman was suspended for the first four games right. and they got Josh Gordon and they kind of went into this three receiver 11 personnel offense and James White was huge for them and then they've kind of condensed it back down. Mm-hmm. They've got you know, Josh Gordon has had some more off-field issues, and he's away from the team. And they kind of had to condense the offense yeah. back down. And they're playing Smash Mouth. And now I'm like, go play James, Smash Mouth first. First, Aaron Donald and Sue. Like you're not going to beat that. James <laughs> James Devlin is a wide receiver. Now. <laughs> and, and what's the talk of Julian Edelman being a Hall of Famer? Just settle the hell down. Oh, you know we we get to come this. on. This has been percolating for weeks. Right. Come on, dude. About. Right. We we get to this every time somebody has a big. Uh, you know, Super Bowl or something like that. That's uh, just, uh, come on, calm down. Uh, we got plenty to talk about. Of course, we will we will go very heavy on running backs because, as Fab alluded to, Todd Gurley ends up being a big story in the Super Bowl. So we'll kind of look at uh, you know, what the end of the season meant for him, what, what it maybe means for his next year, and uh, just a general running back conversation. We'll also kind of give you, a, you know, do something fun, talk about pop culture, what, uh, what we're liking, what we're digging right now, and uh, maybe what you should be checking out. So... All that, and uh, in the meantime, let's do some news. Let's do the news. Well, we got a couple of head coaches officially announced in the last couple of days. We had been expecting these for a little while, but uh, now they are for real, for real. The Dolphins announced the hire of Brian Flores as their head coach. Of course, the last we saw of Brian Flores, he was shutting down the aforementioned Rams offense, uh, doing a fantastic job as their defensive coordinator. And now, Fabs, he joins the the growing list of former Patriots assistants who have struck out on their own. A number <laughs> of them have landed in the AFC East. Yeah. Is this like a I feel like this is a case if you can't beat them, like hire them. But 
yeah. it just hasn't worked out so far. No, I mean, it hasn't. Obviously, you know, the uh, the jury's still out on, you know, Matt Patricia, who had his first year with the Lions. Um, and I guess Josh McDaniel was a was a short term failed head coach with the Denver Broncos. <laughs> But this move really isn't very fantasy relevant until we find out, well, there's going to be a lot of changes there. We're hearing reports that Ryan Tannehill, well, he could be uh, done Mm -hmm. with the fish. Um, And we have to see who Flores hires around him in terms of his offensive coaching staff. But we talked about this, I believe, on the podcast maybe a week or two ago, that the Dolphins might be one of the biggest fantasy wastelands in terms of the talent on the offensive side of the ball on that roster. I mean, yeah, are we, are we still lean never Dolphins, Graham, at this point? I haven't changed my mind. <laughs> it's February, whatever it is, 6th, and I am not probably going to be very interested in any Dolphins this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, the the only dude that comes to mind is Drake. We don't know what's going on with Frank yeah. Orr, and um, if Frank Orr comes back, well, then it's probably... Or we might talk same. about Kenyon Drake later. Are we not... Uh, wait, are we, are, are, we, are we done with the Devontae Parker breakout seasons? Oh, God. <laughs> See, Seasons. Seasons. We're done. It's been more than one. Devonta had that one, like, ginormous game. And, and it got everybody um, excited. Everyone went nuts and picked him up off the waiver wire. And then nothing ever happened. He went back to being Devontae Parker. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bengals have officially named Zach Taylor as their head coach. We last saw Zach Taylor as the quarterback's coach of the Los Angeles Rams, which, look, if you are using that as an audition tape, I wouldn't. Uh, Jared Goff looked frightened and just ineffective throughout that entire ball game. Uh, you know, th- there were certainly questions about this higher gram from the beginning, you know, the the joke being that he you know, stood next to Sean McVay for a season, so somehow he's now higher, officially uh, qualified to be a head coach. Now, whatever, you can make jokes about that. I think the fact is we don't, completely know what he's bringing to the table. I mean, I think, you know, without making any judgments, I think we're all kind of just waiting and seeing what this means for the Bengals offense next year. I think Taylor has called plays once and it was in the 2015 season for the Dolphins. And I want to, if I remember correctly, it was like half a year right. that he called plays. Um, I have no idea what to expect. It's kind of the same thing that we talked about with Cliff Kingsbury when he was hired with the Cardinals. It's kind of like, eh, I'm excited that he's a new name, but right. I'm keeping an open mind and I have no idea. <laughs> As a Cowboys fan like Kellen Moore. Yeah. Like he's right. going to be calling the plays for the guy. I, I don't know what to expect. Well, it's a little different with him because he was pulled up from within the mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. But Zach Taylor is obviously an outside hire. He's bounced mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hopefully, A.J. Green's healthy. That's my analysis. That's, you know, <laughs> if A.J. Green is healthy, if Joe Mixon is back and healthy, then at least you know yep. where mean, the football is going to go. They've got some pieces on offense. Yeah. You know, Tyler Boyd as well. So uh, The one thing he has said, Zach Taylor, is that he will not be – he's not going to try to be Sean McVay. So – that's take good. that. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, but I, I think you know. I think we're gonna have to wait until the preseason until we get a look at the Bengal offense a little bit and kind of get some some thoughts on on what it might could be. All right. So in Philadelphia, the Eagles announced that they are going to pick up the twenty million dollar contract option on Nick Foles. Now, Nick Foles. Uh, reportedly is going to basically give back $2 million so that he can become a free agent and go test the market. He has said he wants to try and be a starter somewhere next season. The Eagles have said they want Carson Wentz to be their starter. It seems sort of like a curious move, and I, I don't pretend to know all the machinations of how salary cap works and, and this sort of thing. Obviously, the people in the Philly front office have a plan for why they're doing this, uh, but Fabs, I guess, I guess the short 
part of it is just it just seems like Nick Foles is not going to be an Eagle next year. We're just waiting to see where it is he lands. Yeah, and of course, you know, you're going to hear rumors about Jacksonville, for example. There's several teams out there that could use a quarterback. The Broncos could use a quarterback unless they're going to stick with Case Keenum for another year, assuming they they draft a quarterback uh, coming up in April and he becomes sort of like the future of that franchise and maybe Keenum stays there for, for one more season. Um, but, I mean, outside of... That one ridiculous season he had with the Eagles when he had 27 touchdowns and two picks. He hadn't really been that great of a fantasy quarterback. So I don't know that regardless of where he ends up, he's going to make a fantasy impact. In fact, most of the teams right now that have an opening at the quarterback position, whether or not they they fix it or not in terms of the NFL draft remains to be seen. But I don't know that Foles is going to end up being a draftable asset in fantasy leagues. Yeah. In, in 2019. I don't think he will be either, but I think wherever he goes, it's going to be a big upgrade. Of, like, it, sure. I, I guess Jackson was definitely the, the clubhouse favorite. I mean, yep. we can all agree he is a monster, monster upgrade. Oh, yeah. What we just saw with Blake Bortles, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the Jaguars are very much in the market for a quarterback this year. I mean, I, I think that's that goes without saying, and it's just a matter of who they land. If, if it is Nick Foles, they go out. I mean, there's, you know, I've heard you know, Derek Carr maybe attached to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, there's so many things that, that could happen there. Uh, I guess Eli Manning probably not so much anymore. It seems like he's going to stay with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know. Dolphins could need a quarterback. Dolphins could need a quarterback. Derek Carr's salary, I think, is fully guaranteed today. Um, oh. So he will be in Oakland. So he'll be a Raider then. He will be a Raider. Well, I won't say in Oakland. In Oakland we have no where, idea. I don't know where. <laughs> Actually, I don't know where they're going to be. The San Francisco Raiders. Uh, Who knows? They're going to play in Santa Clara. Right? They're going to play in Santa Clara, which I think it's. I think it's going to be very funny when you know the Oakland Raiders are playing or sharing the San Francisco 49er Stadium in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh yeah. Um, in Tennessee. The new offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans says Derrick Henry will be, quote, a big part of the offense next season. That, uh, you know, came after Matt LaFleur kind of, you know, kind of got him going, kind of got him involved a little bit. Uh, We saw him kind of in and out of the offense. And obviously he had a couple of really big games late in the season uh, I mean, obviously for, for us, from a fantasy perspective, looking for running backs and trying to avoid committees, it's good news. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Is Derrick Henry, can he carry a load for 16 weeks, <laughs> though, is the, is the next question. Yeah, I guess I don't even know that we're going to find out. It's funny because you look at his numbers and you see the 12 rushing touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. And you're like, wow, he had a pretty good year. But I mean, he really did. It was all <laughs> basically at the second half of the season. And, you know, he had... That, that one monster, ridiculous game, it was at 47.8 fantasy points. Yeah. And then week 15, he had over 30. Uh, and then he had, I believe, right around 16 in uh, in, in week 16. He was, a, he was a league winner if you had him. I mean, let's be honest. He was a flex starter that was putting up monster numbers in PPR I mean, or, or standard. For the people that, you know, held on to it. Because a lot of folks quit on him at some yes. point. So, so now, I guess... Graham, I'll ask you. Mm. I mean, is Derrick Henry a top fifty pick in twenty nineteen? <laughs> <laughs> he's right. I mean, like a guy who scored twelve touchdowns and, and you know I, was was tremendous in the second half of the season. And uh, that hesitation basically tells yeah. you all you need to know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just, you just put out your top two hundred. Where'd you put Henry? Uh, I am actually going to look at that right now for you. I we were we were sort of in some uh, simpatico here. I have Henry at. Let me see if I can find him real quick. Well, I just so much about I have him, the Titans' offense is just so inconsistent. I have him at forty-eight. Yeah, 
I was going to 47 was kind of the number I had in my head. Yeah, just I randomly. Have 48. I have them right around the James White, Darius Geist to, area. To Marcus's point, this is their, so this is Mariota's fifth year. This is, he's had a different offensive coordinator every year, right? I believe so. Every, every single year they've had a different OC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's why it's been so inconsistent. There you go. Um, I, I guess I guess we can peg Henry as a back-end top 50 pick right now, yep. um, especially with a few backfields not exactly clear. But, yeah, <sighs> it's just it's so hard to predict. He, he's so he's very one-dimensional. He's never going to catch the ball, especially, you know, with Deion Lewis and, still in the mix to me, there. We've been chasing this Titans offense for fantasy for so long, and we've been burned so many times. Right. It's just like, haven't we kind of learned our lesson outside of like maybe if Delaney Walker comes back and is, <laughs> is healthy this year? I mean, other than that. By the way, there were, there were actually there was one year or two years back to back where they where Terry Rubisky was the OC. Uh, I think 2016, 2017. Okay. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's they have had a, a revolving door at the offensive coordinator position. So now Arthur Smith gets his shot and he says Derrick Henry will be a big part of it. I mean, I guess we're going to. We're going to find out together when we get to uh, to the summer and to, into early fall. So mm-hmm. there you go. That is pretty much everything you need to know. Well, that was the news. So they had a Super Bowl the other day. You might have heard about it. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we talked briefly about it at the start of the show. The Patriots win. Congrats to them and their fans. Um, the Rams are left sort of wondering what happened. And I think a lot of people watching from the outside are sort of wondering what happened. And one of the big question marks was what happened to Todd Gurley? Where was Todd Gurley? And you saw it during the game, even the CBS cameras kept cutting to shots of him standing on the sideline. The announcers were wondering what was going on. People on Twitter were asking, you know, where has Todd Gurley been? And, you know, obviously the the first question was, well, maybe he's not healthy. You know, he had a knee injury that kept him out for a couple of weeks that helped lead to the rise of C.J. Anderson late in the season. Of course, the Rams, uh, Sean McVay, Todd Gurley himself, kept insisting that everything is okay, that the knee was fine, that it wasn't a problem. Gurley said during the NFC Championship game that he was just, quote, sorry. Uh, and that's why he wasn't getting the ball a whole lot. Uh, you know, now that the, after the Super Bowl, Sean McVay sort of blamed himself for the play calling, also said that they just never got into a rhythm. And that was why Gurley didn't get the ball. But the facts are this. In those final two games, Todd Gurley had a total of 16 touches, gained a total of 47 yards, did not score a touchdown. Now, you know, since then, there have been a flood of stories about what the Rams should do. Obviously, he's he's owed a lot of money. They spent they spent a lot of money on him. They got him a, a big contract. But you know, now there's talk that maybe they should trade him. They should they should move him if they're not going to use him because he's taken up a lot of room in that salary cap. So, I mean, Fabs, as you look at this. Is what we saw the last couple of weeks, is this is this just some weird anomaly that they're going to iron out in the offseason? Or is this kind of a glimpse into the future of the offense Sean McVay wants to ruin? Dude, I have no, I, I don't get it. I spent most of the Super Bowl texting with friends who are, you know, current players, uh, former players, other friends who are just big time football fans. And we're all asking the same question. Why is Todd Gurley not on the field? Like, we, we went from a guy who was dominating the league to suddenly... The Rams don't feature him. And if it was a situation where he wasn't healthy, okay, that's understandable. But every time you heard questions about Gurley's health, it came back 
He's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. Um, I've, I've talked to, to people who are friends of Todd Gurley. He was fine. And I don't get how arguably the best running back in the National Football League suddenly, and I love C.J. Anderson. He's a friend of mine. I can't understand how the best running back in the National Football League suddenly is being outtouched by a player who didn't have a team, okay, as of a month and a half ago. And not that C.J. deserved that fate, but, I mean, even C.J. would tell you, listen, Todd Gurley is one of the best running backs in this game. C.J. averaged 16 touches a game in the playoffs. Gurley averaged 11. It's... It's mind-boggling. And when I did my top 200, I didn't have Gurley one. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I, <laughs> I, I, I do like that McVay came out and said that Gurley doesn't need any sort of scope in the offseason on his knee. But I don't know what happened there. I mean, it was like the, the Rams forgot where their bread is buttered. And... I, I just I just go back to the example of the Cowboys. If the Cowboys were in the same exact spot, do you think they would ever go away from Ezekiel Elliott? Hell no. And that's what makes me think. Hell no. That's what makes me think Gurley's not healthy. I, we, I mean, we, the, we, we can only, you know, we can only hear what's spoken to us. We, we've heard that he was fine. Maybe he's I'll, not. I don't know. It's yeah. not like players and coaches haven't lied to us in the past about a player's health. But it made no sense to me whatsoever that that CJ was was more of a featured back. Now, Gurley had a good game against the Cowboys, but the Cowboys couldn't stop the run at all in that game. But in terms of the touches, it just it boggles the mind that a player that dominant at his position and the centerpiece of that offense suddenly goes from featured no brainer role to committee back yeah. Todd Gurley I mean, committee back can we can we say or can we surmise Graham that I mean okay whatever about health was this maybe just Sean McVay outthinking himself the last couple of weeks too I, I, I just, uh, Graham you can answer yeah. how, how do you outthink yourself and not play Todd Gurley I, I've seen this too and I, I really genuinely feel everyone's kind of overthinking it he has 700 touches in the last 18 months you tell me how your body would feel no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it, but it, it can sometimes be pretty simple. Some, I, what what would Sean McVay and Todd Gurley gain by telling the truth about Gurley's knee and ankle problem? Well, maybe not before the Super Bowl, but now, yeah. Why not? And but then you would then you would come back on you would you would renege on saying he's he's completely fine. He's not been on the injury report. Guys hide injuries all the time. No, absolutely, they play, and they play through it. And that's kind of my thing. Is like. Gurley averaged like 32 routes run per game in weeks one through 15 when he was completely healthy. In the, the Rams playoff stretch, he was down to 16.7 routes per game. That was more than half his season-long average. And we're talking about Todd Gurley, who leads all running backs in yards after the catch per reception. He has 131 receptions over the last two years. That's fourth among all running backs. And he's fourth in passer rating when targeted. It just I mean, it's just, that, that's the thing for me. It's like, okay, it, if he's not healthy, why, aren't, why did the Rams not use him in the passing game? Because he is... I think we could say probably, if not Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley is the second best pass catching running back in the NFL. Yeah, why it, wasn't he used? He only ran like twenty routes in the Super Bowl. It just it That's just seems player. it seems weird that and look obviously he has been loaded up with touches. There's there's no doubt about that. He is twenty four years it, old. He's not an old dude. It also seems I mean, weird that you would start to ration him when you did like 
if you're going to ration him in weeks 15, 16, I get that. I, I feel like if you're in the Super Bowl, it's like, hey, I know you're hurting. We need, you know, what can we get out of you? How much can we get Terrell out of you? Terrell Davis dealt with, like, I mean, debilitating migraines in the Super Bowl. Okay? He got out there and played. Like, I, and, you know, I get it. If the knee was a problem, the ankle was a problem, okay. But everything we're hearing was that he was fine. And now, and, the, now the Rams have kind of created this situation where Todd's having to answer these questions, Sean's ha- having to answer these questions, and they're just not really. Like I said, just, just said Sean, like I know Sean personally. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm trying to get a job myself. No. Uh, Coach McVay didn't say anything. I mean, it's, it's just kind of like, it's just such a weird situation to, to Fabs' point. Why, if he's healthy, why isn't he playing why 90% he the of the snaps like he always does? Okay, yeah. so, I mean, look, obviously we're not going to come up with an answer to this one, but... I mean, like for us now, it's it's spinning this forward, right? Maybe he's not. You know, I don't know if, if he's healthy. If he's not healthy, if if this is what Sean McVay wants to do with his offense, but obviously they bring in C.J. Anderson, and for the most part, uh, Super Bowl notwithstanding, Anderson played pretty well. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with him next year. If the Rams keep him around, if he ends up being a free agent and going somewhere else, who knows? But and Fabs, you sort of, you know, I guess you sort of hinted at this when you talked about not putting Gurley at number one mm-hmm. in your top 200, which, by the way, for folks, we'll, we'll dive into it really heavy next week. Um, but does this change how you feel about Todd Gurley potentially as, let's say, look, the top five in no particular order will, will have some combination of Gurley, Zeke, Saquon, Kamara. Alvin Kamara, maybe Christian McCaffrey slides into that top five, too. Yep. Um does this change sort of how you feel about him if he's a guy who goes from getting, you know, 20, 25 touches a game to, you know, 15 touches a game? Yeah. It, uh, but I, I, like, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Like, I can't even come up with the words. Like, it's Todd Gurley. It's not like he's an older back. He's 24 years old. He's in the prime of his career. He just gave him a big, uh, a big deal. The Rams have said, per our Ian Rappaport, that they absolutely want CJ back next season. Now... CJ's uh, 27. He'll be he'll be 28 here in in, in a few days. Um, it doesn't take Gurley out of my top three. I have him third. I have Saquon number one, and number two is Zeke, and I have Gurley three because I, I I just if Sean McVay is 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 intelligent as we all think and know that he is, how does he move Todd Gurley? from being a featured running back, yeah. making all of the plays that he made, touching the ball as he did. And again, he has led all running backs in touches over the last two years, but he's 24 years old, right? I mean, this, is, this isn't a guy who's, who's, who's at the tail end of his career. McVay has got to get the ball back in Gurley's hands 20-plus times a game heading into next season, and it doesn't even have to be a question. You just give him the ball. He's your, he's your playmaker. So... It would be hard for me to pass on him in the top three, but I could see him sliding, maybe not out of the top five, but to number five because there's so much young talent at the running back position this season uh, and in the league right now. But it, it, it honestly, man, it just, it, it really just baffles the minds. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, okay, I've got a brand new Lambo in my garage, but you know what I'm going to do, Graham? I'm going to drive that. That Corolla. I'm gonna drive that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Corolla put out. put put boring kind of car here. Your Corolla. Your. Yeah. I'm gonna drive that instead. This is the. This is this a microcosm of running backs don't matter in the NFL. That you know what you you 
you either read my mind or you read the rundown. <laughs> well, you are pretty damn good. You are pretty damn good at putting the rundown. <laughs> I will admit, um, three, four months ago, we were talking about Gurley as, well, we, I say we literally. I wasn't. People were talking about Todd Gurley as an MVP candidate legitimately and deserved or not. I don't think it was. Three months later now, we're talking about him as, oh, the Rams might need to trade him or what do we do with him for fantasy? And like, right. He was a slam dunk number one overall pick I mean, six months ago. Yeah. This is the epitome of life comes at you fast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's running back talent is so fungible in the NFL. It's just it's amazing. OK, so which just veers us right to the next topic, obviously, you know, a big a big point of conversation on Twitter, football, Twitter, fantasy, Twitter, whatever was that running backs don't matter. And, you know, if, if for some reason you haven't followed up on this conversation, one, where you been? Uh, two, basically the premise of it is the running back position, as, as Graham said, is very fungible. I mean, you can rotate guys through there, and as long as, you know, your scheme is okay, as long as your offensive line is okay, you can get pretty equivalent production from any number of guys back there. I mean, the fact that, you know, look at the Chiefs. They lose Kareem Hunt. Uh, they go with Damian Williams, Spencer Ware. Their running game, you know, maybe takes a little bit of a dip, but it, it doesn't fall off the map. The the Steelers go all season without Le'Veon Bell. Uh, James Conner was fantastic. He gets hurt. Jalen Samuel steps in. That running game keeps going. Obviously, now Todd Gurley is doing whatever Todd Gurley is doing or whatever happened to Todd Gurley, CJ Anderson steps in and, and he performs well. So, you know, obviously, you know, there, there is some, there is some merit to the conversation, but now for us, what does that mean fantasy wise? Because if teams are really not spending money on running backs, if they're going to start rotating running backs, uh, I mean, I guess, Graham, the first thing I think is that this just means a whole hell of a lot more running back rotations for us to try to sift through now. Well, right now we're in a very, very, very good part uh, of fantasy in terms of the running back position. I mean, this is like the golden age of fantasy. Dude, it's even, ridiculous. Even if Gurley loses his bell cow role, we still have like seven or eight just top tier running backs that are just like no brainer. And the it's, top five guys yeah. in my top 200 are 24 or younger. Yeah. Saquon's 21. I it's know. ridiculous. Barkley will merit 101 uh discussion that we'll, we'll get to next week Zeke is up there too um I don't know I don't I, for for I think we could save that conversation but the bigger question I, I think right now is is just like I think the way we need to think about running backs now is we can replace their production on the ground their success on the ground but as a receiver that is where running backs can elevate themselves mm-hmm. but I will say to, to your point about Kareem Hunt I, I thought that's where the Chiefs would miss Kareem Hunt the most is in the pass game, and it turns out Damian Williams was just, just as good of a pass catcher. Yep. Mm-hmm. But we've now seen it with the Rams that C.J. Anderson is clearly limited as a pass catcher compared to right. Todd Gurley. And that's my biggest point is mm-hmm. if Todd Gurley was truly healthy, why wasn't he running just his normal 35 routes per game and getting his eight to nine targets and, and, and not getting killed on 10, 12 carries up the middle, just throwing the ball, right him in the space. Getting back to how young the position is, the average age of the top 30 fantasy running backs in PPR leagues this season was 23.9. Uh, that's the youngest since 2000 when the average age was 26.5 or almost three years older. Wow. Like we, we are, and, and you know, Marcus, you know, I said this a couple of seasons ago that the, the running back revival's coming. 
and, and then you know then you you bring in a new class here in 2019 uh, with, with Jacobs kind of being the 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 player that everyone's going to want at that position. Maybe the Buccaneers grab him in the draft. We'll see. But the position's never been better. It's never been deeper. It's never been younger. And that's why you're going to see seven running backs go maybe eight in the first 10 overall picks, even in PPR leagues, because running backs have, have, have sort of morphed, right? They're, they're no longer just these guys that you give the football to 20 times on the ground and they just plow through the offensive line. Now they're catching the ball out of the backfield. That's, they're okay. lining out yeah. in, in the slot. I mean, they're so, much more versatile, which is great. Begs the next question, though. How much turnover are we going yeah. to get in the next few years, right? Because for as great as we, I mean, look at this. How for as great as Todd Gurley was, suddenly we're talking about him being fairly, and I won't say expendable, but like, hey, we can replace him with a cheaper model somewhere, right? For as great as Alvin Kamara has been the first couple of years, when he gets to the end of that rookie deal, are the Saints going to turn around and say, hey, let's dump truck a bunch of money on him? Same with Saquon. For as great as he was last year, when he hits the end of that rookie deal, are the Giants going to look around and say, we're going to lock up Saquon Barkley to a huge contract? Or are they going to say, you know what? There's another cheaper model. Maybe he's not quite as good as Saquon, but he's good enough that we can bring him in for a lot less money. And so we're going to start getting a lot of turnover here too are, are you predicting a bryce harper a manny machado running back holdout maybe like, just somebody sitting around here right <laughs> yeah. like everybody waiting like where's where's saquon gonna yeah, sign and like yeah. nothing happens and, and people I don't know. will always bring up uh the example of the steelers which you mentioned as well it doesn't matter who the steelers have put in that backfield yeah. they've produced numbers now from a fantasy perspective it's different we're looking for stats we don't care about wins and losses but the steelers didn't make the playoffs without Le'Veon bell and Le'Veon bell can put that uh, that feather in his cap and say hey Hey, the Steelers, the Steelers were not a playoff team in the year that I held out. I will say to maybe to Marcus's larger point, this needs to be a part of the next CPA. The running back contract situation is just it's a mess. And it's kind of created this bubble where we've seen it in so many different instances and so many different offenses now with the Rams, Steelers, Chiefs. I don't want to think about that. (laughs) I am so afraid. I mean, I'm so what is it? 2021, 2020, like like we're we're going to we're going to be like moving into the new facility over there at the Rams uh, stadium. Yeah. And we're all going to be wondering whether or not there's going to be going football. To be football. Hey, mm-hmm. you know what? Uh, look, I, you know, truth be told, like I, I got hired. I got the call from you uh, to get hired the day the lockout ended in 2011. So, <laughs> you know, look, the, the, the NFL lockout, it, it created some jobs. So we'll, we'll say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we obviously know we're going to have our bell cows, the, these first round guys, right? The, the guys we mentioned, the Camaras, McCaffrey's, Saquon's, Gurley's, Zeke. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe Melvin Gordon or James Conner, uh, you know, kind of creeps into there. After that, then it becomes, you know, I mean, we'll wait and see what happens with guys like Kareem Hunt. We'll wait and see what happens with Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, David Johnson obviously was a frustration this year. Yeah, It's kind of led me to the question, is there such a thing or will there be such a thing this year as a second round fantasy running back? Is it like we go and we grab a whole bunch of them in the first round? And then the second round and maybe part of the third round, we, you know, drafts just end up being wide receiver heavy. I mean, is the, will there be second round projected running backs? Devonta Freeman, but he's coming off an injury. Right. To actually. You think injuries. you think Freeman's worth a second round pick right now? No. Okay. But I'm saying <laughs> yeah. if he gets a clean right. bill of health and, and we go into September and he's healthy and he looks okay, right. then yes, he will. I just feel like, you know, if you're looking at a running back in the second round, you're you're probably going to be looking at it like, I mean, it's going to be a dilemma. You know, like, do I take a Devontae Freeman? Right. Or do I look so, at a, you know, I don't know, a Keenan Allen? So who, like so so the backs that are going to be second round projected for 2019, you're looking at, you know, Joe Mixon could end up sliding into the end of the first round, but 
are, are you going to take him over Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, uh, Antonio Brown, personal preference there. You've got James Conner, assuming he's the featured back for the Steelers, who won't be a first-round pick. He'll be a second-round pick. Nick Chubb is going to be a second-round pick. David Johnson, Dalvin Cook also could be in that second-round mix. But I think you're right. You're going to see a lot of wide receivers go in the second round which means there could be some potential values at the running back position in round three. Because if a guy like Nick Chubb, for example, falls yeah. into the third round, I mean, that, that that's back up the Brinks truck, man. That's I, a steal. I think Marcus's point is, do you want Juju or do you want Dalvin Cook? Right. I mean, I think right. No. And, and I would rather and have a lot of people are going to have that coin flip next summer. Yeah. I would much I, prefer I, Juju. At this right. Point. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I just think I think it's going to be interesting that we're, you know, there will be a run on running backs in the first round. And then there'll be a lot of people sort of hesitating and, and kind of rolling dice between a running back or a wide receiver in that second round. And maybe we get to the third and fourth round. You start to see more running backs again. But I think I think, you know, the for the, the moment, the idea of the second round fantasy running back is sort of on life support. And then keep in mind that Travis Kelsey is probably going to go in the second round, too. Yeah, you would yep. think Kel- so. you could make an argument for Kelsey as a first rounder at this point. I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, think people will. I won't be. I, I yeah, won't. I, but, you I, know, I, in, yeah. in the peak Gronk era, I mean, yeah. there was talk of him being, a, you know, yeah, being that on the, on the turn well, there. It's the, going to be yeah. it's going to be so unfair once again to have the first overall pick. You're going to pick Barkley or Zeke or maybe Gurley. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you can come back and take Juju Smith-Schuster in the second round. Right. And Adam Thielen. Great. <laughs> Good luck trying to beat that team. Like, it's the same thing we just went through this year. No. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So as we kind of wrap up our running back discussion, I did the hero or hype thing a couple of weeks ago with quarterbacks. So it just felt like this seemed like a good time to do it with the running backs. Guys who maybe they're good fantasy options, but we're not really sure. And we're kind of like left. Uh, so the first one, the first one on my list is is Lamar Miller, right? Who you know when he was in Miami, we kept saying, man, if he could go somewhere and he can get all the touches he needs, he'll be great. And he got to Houston that first year, and he got all the touches he needed, and he wasn't great. And then last year, he actually was okay. We kept wondering. There was a stretch where he was putting up was. 100 yard games every week. Right. And yeah. then, you know, we, but we always wondered, you know, what happens when Deontay Foreman comes back? That didn't, I mean, it never really happened in a serious, meaningful way last year. But now here we are at the end of the season. Uh, and, and Lamar Miller is just a guy who, you know, had, had decent numbers. He finishes as the running back 22. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely an RB2 kind of guy. But, I mean, Graham, is he, is he actually good or, or what? I was just saying uh, in the studio, I was one of those guys who thought Lamar Miller was really good coming out of Miami. Then he'd go to Houston and be like an RB1 and it never happened. And it never happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and, but we all liked him. Yeah, he just kind of is what he is. <laughs> I mean, he's averaged like over 13 points per game with Watson over the last two years. It's basically like a low-end RB2. I just view Lamar Miller as like he's, um, I think Rich Rebar from Roto World put it perfectly one time in one of his worksheet columns. He's like, he's just an empty calorie running back. <laughs> you know, he'll get you his his 80 yards on 17 he, touches. So he, he's Rice. Yeah. That's what <laughs> he'll, he's he'll Rice. Get, he'll get 80 yards on 17 touches, and mm-hmm. if he scores, great. If he doesn't, then, well, you're getting eight, like, Eight to twelve PPR points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of just what I think he that's is. A, that yeah. is that I, I've got him in the flex starter range, yeah. especially when you consider Deonta Foreman should be one hundred percent back. Oh. We'll see. We, we, I think, <laughs> I think everyone wanted that to be a thing. This, I know. Just, well, I will see. Really, knows. dude, it's really hard. Speaking as someone who's had an Achilles problem, it's really and, it's and, hard to come. Yeah, it is. He yep. tore his Achilles. I have tendonitis. It is incredibly hard to rehab that injury. Yeah. Right. Well, Akbar, I can only, Akbar had that injury. I can only imagine what it would be like to 
cut and jump and get hit with an Achilles injury for the rest I mean, of your career. You mean all the you, all the juking you have to do around the uh, NFL media <laughs> offices, you know, <laughs> you have to make spin moves to get around the kitchen. Uh, so Lamar Miller left Miami, and then Kenyon Drake is the guy who came in and replaced him ostensibly. Now, Kenyon Drake was uh, – you want to talk about a fantasy headache this year because yeah, I think we looked at it, and I don't think anybody thought that his lack of production – had to do with a lack of ability. When he got opportunities, he seemed to perform well. The problem was he just never got touches, and nobody could figure out what Adam Gase was doing. You know, I mean, I always joke about Frank Gore's going to live forever, but he really did just eat at King and Drake's expense at times this year. So, uh, I mean, Fabs, was it just a matter of not getting opportunity, or was there, I mean, is there maybe something we're missing with King and Drake? <laughs> The talent was there. If you remember in the second half of 2017, he was a league winner, Mm -hmm. right? He looked tremendous. He was averaging well over 20 touches a game. And this past season, he averaged 10.8 touches. Frank Gore averaged 12 (laughs) in the, in the, you know, category of Frank Gore will live on forever. Mm -hmm. He, he out touches a, a player who's arguably much more talented than who he is. Certainly younger, obviously. Drake didn't have more than 17 touches in any game all season long. So Gore's a free agent, but now what do you have in Miami? Kalen Balaj. Kalen Balaj. <laughs> so you could end up being stuck in a committee situation there. And let's be honest, Kenyon Drake has never really been a featured back outside of that, that stretch in 2017. When he was at Alabama, he was never a featured back. He wasn't a featured back, obviously, with the Dolphins when he started there. And 2018 proved that, uh, obviously, we're gonna have, we have a new coach in Miami, but the, the coaching staff there didn't believe that he could handle a full workload either. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't know. I, he's another one. Like, I feel like it's a, like a redo of Lamar Miller, right? Yes. Like, if he can get the touches... Maybe he can be productive. Well, looking at it from just a numbers perspective, I mean, Drake is third among all running backs in yards after contact and missed tackles force per attempt per pro football focus over the last years. But in that span, he only saw 35% of the Dolphins carries. <laughs> um, to Fab's point, too, and this is kind of something I've been kind of thinking about when, when we're discussing Kenya Drake here, is he was never a true workhouse workhorse at Alabama either, but that's mm-hmm. because they had Derrick Henry. Yes. Yep. I will say, though, they kind of used Derrick Henry in like this Alvin Kamara type way in Alabama, like this quasi Alvin Kamara type way where he would run. Um, and even then they, they did not throw the balls in Alabama as well as they do now, but they would use him as kind of like this pass catching kind of space back. And now we've seen him in the NFL where, I mean, Miami just kind of hasn't known what to do with him. Adam Gase didn't really know what to do with him. Like right. kind of used him as a rotational player, used him late in 2017 as a workhorse back. And he was great for fantasy. He was a league winner that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he's kind of, for whatever reason, he hasn't had the right coach to come in and say, okay, we're going to exactly use your talents in this specific way. Right. And I don't know if that will ever happen for him in Miami. Well, it's a good thing the Dolphins got an offensive mind hit. Wait, nope. No. 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 Oh. Jeez. Well. So I uh, <laughs> so I, I released the top 200 yesterday. I've already got to update it. The Falcons cut Matt, Matt Bryant. Bryant. Yes. It's going to be Giorgio Tavecchio. Kicker problems. Uh, yeah, Matt Bryant at 43 years old is out of a job <laughs> right now. So uh, I, I would think somebody's going to bring him in. I mean, the guy's been so good for so long that, yeah. that I would think somebody's going to bring him in and, and give him an opportunity. Giorgio Tavecchio. Former uh, Cal Bear and Oakland Raider Giorgio Tavecchio getting a shot with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, our last running back that I have on this list, and I put this on here because 
this is a conversation I had with our, our pal, our old pal, Matt Harmon, uh, midway through the season. And, and he, I think, summed up Isaiah Crowell uh, maybe perfectly for me, right? He said, uh, you know, you could tell me Isaiah Crowell is good. You could tell me Isaiah Crowell is not good. And I probably wouldn't argue with you either way. So it just seemed like, you know, he's that guy who he shows up somewhere and he'll have he'll have a couple of games where he'll get you, you know, over 100 yards, maybe a touchdown or two. And then, you know, the next week he'll fall back and he'll get you like 30 some odd yards. And I guess I mean, I guess that's it. He's just sort of kind of there, right? Like he's not bad. He's not great. He just sort of is right and i don't know what the situation is going to be in that <laughs> new york backfield next season because they are going to be one of the favorites for Le'Veon bell no question about it 32 percent of isaiah Crowell's total rushing output last year came in one yeah game against yeah that, <laughs> you just, that was against the broncos right yep. 15 yeah. 219 and one yep great thanks <laughs> thanks to isaiah yeah um, yeah I don't, I don't know. Man. He just, he just, but I, mean, I thought that was perfect. You could tell me he's good. You could tell me he's not good. I wouldn't argue with you either way. That's perfect. It, it, that, and that situation, remember <laughs> it, it was, it was 2017 where everyone was on Crowell mm-hmm. as yeah. the guy who would oh, be yeah. the breakout back for yeah. the Browns. And then it was Duke Johnson. And then everyone flipped back to Duke going into 2018 and Duke sucked and Crowell went to New York and was the better fantasy back. This is why it's hard to predict fantasy football, my friends. I mean, well, part of Duke Johnson's problem is right now he's kind of a man without a position. Yeah, you know, like he's kind of like Kenny Drake. Like the Browns yeah. kind of just haven't known what to do with him. Right. It's weird. Exactly. I mean, uh, he, he can kind of. It's weird to us. But. He's like he's a decent receiver, but they have better receivers. He's a decent running back, but they've got better running backs. So he's kind of just kind of floating out there. And Isaiah Crowell, for you know, there was always Bilal Powell just kind of hanging around making plays. Yeah, he never. Bilal Powell's another one. Like that, that guy, and, and you know, everyone's going to be talking about Elijah McGuire unless the Jets get a running back or. Sign Le'Veon Bell. We'll see what happens. But he's another one. Like that guy. Yeah. When when nothing was expected of him, he's kind of like Doug Martin, was nothing was expected <laughs> of him. He would produce really good numbers. And then when everyone was on his bandwagon, he stunk. Well, Belil Powell is like a poster child of coaches not knowing what to do with him. Like we see flashes out of him. And now Belil Powell is 30 and coming off a of neck surgery. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for all the, you know, the, the want to with Bilal Powell, at some point, age is starting to catch up to him now, and, and the opportunity just probably won't be there. So uh, this probably won't be the last we talk about running backs because, I mean, it's early February, and we got a whole long time to go before we start doing fantasy drafts again. So we'll probably get back to this as well. And then, you know, next week we'll uh, dive a little heavier into Fabs' top 200 list and kind of start to figure out where guys are going to slot. Obviously, everything is fluid at this point in the season, but uh, we'll start to get into to that uh, and a whole lot more. But as we end the show, uh, I think I did last offseason and kind of want to bring it back on occasion just to kind of switch some things up. Uh, what I call the pick of pop, the thing in pop culture, whether it's movies, TVs, music, books, comic books, whatever, uh, that has caught your eye recently that you feel like everybody needs to know about. So we'll kind of go around the horn. Uh, Eddie, what uh, what have you been eyeing lately? Uh, well, I won't spoil uh, Fabs and uh, and Graham, so I see they were on the list. Uh, those shows are very, very good, but I'll give a couple of my own. Um, I just started last night, actually, the ABC Murders of John Malkovich yeah. on uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's only, a, I think it's just a three-episode kind of, like, they're all like hour long and it's like one just giant movie almost you could say uh very very good the acting's great uh ozark season two i'm just wrapping that up i did awesome i did not understand 
why they had to make a season two, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll watch it. And then I'm like, I think uh, season two is probably better than season one. Right, and now season three is probably coming at some point. Right, <laughs> uh, and I love it. Jason Bateman's awesome in that. Like, I mean, every actor in that is so good. Which, it's by the way, so, so good. I love Ozark. I feel like they just took they took Michael Bluth and put him in, like, a dramatic situation. For sure. Because, like, all the mannerisms and the facial expressions are the same. same. It's just yep. that now, like... He's got like murders around him. Right. His like his kind of like always positive demeanor and like the happy go lucky kind of like that works in like this just dark. It's like the even it's shot so dark because it's mm-hmm. such a dark story. But everyone that every actor in that in that show is just amazing. Um and to me, the best show right now, currently, and it's still running on HBO is True Detective season three. Oh, yes. it's been good, I, man. I think it's, it's as good as season one. It's been so good. The, the story hasn't wrapped up, but more so it's just like the characters lives which i think i care so much about almost kind of like how when you watch season one with mcconaughey and uh, and woody harrelson and you're like oh i really care about these characters and how they develop and then the there same, was season two and then season two unfortunately. <laughs> i got uh, about halfway through that and stopped but uh mahershala ali and uh steven dorf i mean that that scene um and not to spoil anything but there's an end scene with them they're talking on the porch and yes the way the oh show, the incredible show acting yes and, yeah it's in three phases 1980 1990 and 2015 and they're uh, they're older in 2015 and like they're kind of reminiscing on stuff and like that to me was just a clinic on acting and so just good. how it was shot it was just it was amazing I, yep, I'm really so in, I'm even like on the True Detective Reddit like trying to think of theories and stuff it's it's a really really fun show to watch and to follow along so right yep. now those are my, my picks uh, Graham what you got uh, my my favorite thing I've watched in the last couple of weeks was the Yanni Versace assassination. I think that's FX, awesome. FX did it. it. Was the same group that did the OJ Simpson trial. It was just really well done. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I think his name's Dylan Cross, who played Andrew Kananen. Uh, was the man who murdered and yep. went on a spree murder to kill um, Yanni Versace. Mm-hmm. They shot that character and his acting and the role he had to play and how they would kind of shoot the scenes where basically he would just carry it with his facial expressions and whatever crazy actor thing was going on in the show he, he was just phenomenal and it was genuinely captivating you don't want to root for the bad guy but you almost like kind of root because the act like his name darren chris is his name yeah. he just so good yeah. like he is that guy to me he was yeah yeah he 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 that was one of the best individual acting for performances sure. i've seen yeah. on tv in a couple i think of he years. won i think he won an award for it too which i think, like a gold, I think he won a yeah, golden globe did, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah i think he did well deserved him uh fabs what you got dude that ted bundy documentary on it's Netflix. on my list is ridiculous. I watched that. Too. Not See, to be I, confused with the Zac Efron new. No, no, movie. right. Exactly. <laughs> no. So obviously, you know, if you're living and breathing on this planet, you've heard of Ted Bundy, but I didn't know the story. Uh, I mean, the two biggest takeaways is one, I had no idea he escaped jail I, twice. Twice. And then, and then him <laughs> representing himself in, in court. Bu- now, and, and the whole like, it, it, you know, if you're if you're a millennial, if if you're not a millennial, like the the, the world was so much different back then. Like, this guy was potentially, you know, one of the greatest, I guess you could use that word greatest, uh, the, the most murderous serial Prolific. killer. Most prolific. Prolific. But he was brilliant. Yeah, he was. How the hell does he not, well, how, does, how the hell does he not get brought into the courtroom in, in the in the bracelets and the I mean, shackles, he jumped out of a window. From everything I've seen the, and heard, he was very handsome and very charming. Apparently, but, so, and so, yeah. so right. <laughs> so then there, there's part of the documentary, and, and you know, fast forward quickly if you don't want to if you don't want to have it spoiled here. But the judge in the Florida courtroom that handed down the sentence because the, the jury found him guilty, he ended up getting getting the chair. 
he talked to Ted Bundy as if he was the greatest guy in the world. It was weird. And it's yeah. so shameful that you went down the wrong road. This son of a B yeah. kidnapped, raped, and murdered 30-plus women. That we know of, yeah. That we know of. Yeah. And the judge, if I was the judge, number one, I would forget it, man. I, You don't want to know the sentences I'd be, I'd be handing out. But if I, 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 if I were the judge... Brother, I'd be telling you to enjoy burning in hell. Yeah. And the judge, I couldn't believe his reaction and what he said when Bundy was found guilty. To say, yeah. And sentenced to the electric chair. Ho- ho- it I was, wish you were practicing law with me. It's just out of it line. Was, yeah. He said, if you were a lawyer in my court, I probably would have enjoyed listening to your cases. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's bad. And... And then remember when the, the sheriff in Florida, whose name I can't remember, brought him out and it was kind of a spectacle because the Florida, the, the Florida sheriff wanted to kind of beat his chest. Mm-hmm. I got Ted Bundy. And so we're going to have this press conference, which was kind of really a press conference. And Bundy is standing next to him, walking around, not in shackles, not in the bracelets, nothing. It was the weirdest thing in the world because we're so used to the complete opposite, right? The guys are... They're they're not going anywhere, okay? They're gonna be they're they're gonna be shackled. They're gonna be bonded. They're they're not going anywhere. This sheriff is talking about all of the uh, you know all all of the things that Bundy uh, was accused of, and Bundy's walking around him like, and he's making jokes to the press. And then there was another part of it where he was in the courtroom because he basically served as his own lawyer. You literally must like thing. give away the whole documentary no, no. right now. And the people that he was talking to. They were laughing at his jokes. The guy was a freaking mass murderer who who kidnapped, raped, and, and I mean, killed women. Obviously, he's very charming. You're, you how can you can't be that charming? Apparently, he was. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it, the doc does a really good job at kind of exposing the like the faults, of, especially the states out west. And Unreal. How they it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't for the the two people, the two guys in Florida who they you know they brought them to court twice. Uh, it, they really did their job, but everyone else kind of fall, like fell short. And and the emotion that I feel because you guys know sometimes I like to yell a little bit is because like it was so well done and it was so shocking to see how he was treated. And, and, and what people thought of him, this guy was a stone-cold killer, okay? It, just, it, it was ridiculous, and if you're into that kind of thing, I mean, even if you're not, it is so worth watching um, this documentary because you will come out of it kind of glad that you're in the world that you're in rather than back in the day because, it, boy, I'll, I, I, I'll end on that. Just, just watch it. It, it. it was it was tremendous. And it's sad, too. It really is sad because this guy was just sick. Uh, the other part of it is he was just sick. I haven't even watched it, but uh, just from what I know, uh, Florida. Right. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Florida. Hey, hey you, look, you got out. You escaped. I did. That's true. You escaped. You're here in L.A. now. No, You're no. one of us. No, well, you know, another thing, another thing too, <laughs> is so. So he's got friends, right? He had a lot of friends. He was like a guy that a lot of people liked. Right. Somehow, yeah. So, so he's in, he's in Washington and all these girls are disappearing. Right. And then he ends up going to, you know, and I'm not ruining anything here because this is sort of common knowledge. He ended up going to Utah to go to law school and then girls started disappearing there. If you're his friend or even an acquaintance, aren't you thinking, Hmm, there's all these girls disappearing in Washington and he was around and now he went to Utah. Now they're starting to disappear in Utah. Maybe I should go to the authorities. 
Well, maybe depends on how much you know about like him. That. You know, like if he's just your random neighbor, like you don't necessarily know that. I know, but I mean, <laughs> well, I think that's <laughs> like, the point. I think that's the like, point of the documentary. Like that. in hindsight, yeah, like, everyone yeah. knows about yeah. Ted Bundy and what happened. But I think like the facts about how many people's kind of screwed up to allow that. That's like that. That's what I took away from yeah. the documentary. It, wa- Marcus, watch it. I'll have to check it out. It's all, it's it was it, it was so good. I, sorry, I got fired up thing. about it because I, I sometimes like stupidity just. I, I, I don't know what to say. They were just right in Florida. I mean, same thing. Definitely on my list. Yeah. Uh, Thing I started watching on Amazon Prime, uh, Informer. Watch the first couple of episodes, and basically it traces uh, kind of. It's it's sort of the. I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like 24, but from the perspective of a guy who is being used sort of as an informer to try and, you know, uh, you know, maybe help root out terrorists and and how this guy was flipped uh, basically over a a small time uh, drug possession charge and the threats of deporting family members and how they're trying to flip him into being an informer for a counterterrorism unit. Uh, I believe it's in in England or in London somewhere. But uh, two episodes in is really interesting. Uh, I think it, it has the potential to be to be very very good. It's on Amazon Prime, so uh, check that out. Also, uh, kind of older on Amazon Prime, Homecoming. If you didn't see the first season of Homecoming, uh, go check it out with Julia yeah, Roberts. I, uh, I started watching it. Yeah. It, like I think I watched like two or three episodes, and then I kind of fell out of it. Yeah, it's pretty I good. I also, else. I also listened to the pod. It started as a podcast, right. and I listened to the pod, and that uh, that kind of got me interested in watching it. With which, by the way, the, so the pod, it, the characters are the same, but the actors are very different in the in the podcast. Uh, you know, you've got uh, well, the one is, is David Schwimmer. Uh, and he's trying to play this like serious, like tough guy. But I'm like, you're Ross. Like I can't really get down <laughs> yeah, with right, that. Exactly. In the uh, in the TV show, it's Bobby Cannavale who has more of a tough guy uh, attitude. So it, it seems to work. He's a like strictly better. plays bad guys. Pretty much. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, he, I, like you know, he's he has something like he's evil right. in, in everything he does. Right. So I believed him more as a tough guy than you know Ross. Yeah. So, Did so you ever watch? Have you ever watched uh, Mr. Robot? Because the same guy who created Sam Asmiel created Mr. Okay. Robot. He's shot. He created Homecoming for, okay. for Prime, and it's shot the same way where it's like the very how like the screen like it would change size yes. and have like the loud music at random points that like kind of jolt you like mm-hmm. it's it's a very uh i guess artistic way of him doing it if you right. like his style of stuff then yeah you'll like homecoming a lot sweet so that's it we are done we are out of here as always we appreciate you downloading this tell two friends to tell two friends rate review and remember when you seize the day make sure it's the right one we'll see you next week <laughs> You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. 
Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.